And I, I find that in, in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter number 29, a very familiar portion of Scripture that I'd like to call your attention to, is starting in verse number 1. The Bible said Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old. That is an amazing thing to me. That's a young man, Brother Shay. 25 years old, and he's been given the great responsibility as king over the land of Judah. What a responsibility that would be for a 25-year-old. I'll be honest with you, Brother Shane, I'm real, not real interested in having a 25-year-old president. Amen? I'm not been impressed with the older ones that we've got. But I'm telling you, I don't want a 25-year-old, at least not the ones I've been around today, uh, that sit in their basement and play their game. I don't want them telling us what we need to do as a country, they're oblivious to anything today, right? This is a young man, 25 years of age. We already know his father Ahaz done wrong in the sight of God. Why was it that he was going to do right? The Bible said here, Hezekiah began to reign when he was 5 and 20 years old, and he reigned 9 and 20 years. So he was, uh, was on the throne for 29 years, amen? By all accounts, Brother Shane, he really wasn't an old man, uh, when he was done as a, as a ruler. But I want you to notice what the Bible says here. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I'm encouraged that a young man with a great responsibility who had someone in his recent past who did not do right, who he was raised in the same house with, under the same rule by, yet he still decided that he wasn't going to follow that of Ahaz. He was going to follow what God said. I want to say this to you young people this morning. You are responsible for Amen. obeying God and what God's book says in spite of the examples that you are given that go contrary to the Word of God. You may not be on your own. You may not be able to make your own decisions. You may be subject to authority. But God still requires you to be mindful of Him and His book. And when you are able to be on your own and when you are able to do it because God requires it, not because your mama and daddy done things in front of you that you knew were wrong and against God's Word. God still expects something out of you young folk this morning. Listen to me. Just because you're young don't mean nothing. If you're saved by the marvelous grace of God, the same God of heaven that expects me to obey this book expects you to do the same thing. And when you feel like you can't do anything, you just get on your knees and pray because although you can't, God can and He can handle things that you're not able to handle and take problems away that you're not able to take away. And God don't always take away your problems, but He gives you the grace to deal with them when they come. Amen. That old song says, When I can't thank Him... When I can't thank him for the answers, I can thank him for the grace. Amen. His grace is sufficient. He may be teaching you some things that will help you later on in life if you'll take what's being shown you, even though it isn't always the right things. God can show you what not to do by the examples of others. Hezekiah had a first class ticket to watching what a king before him done that was not right in accordance to God's word. You know what he done? He made a decision that he was going to do what God said regardless. I'll say this because he had the authority to. You ought to take, say, I don't have no authority. You take what authority you have and you use it for the glory and for the honor of God. And you may find one of these days that you have enough authority to implement some things that can affect others 
in a positive manner. Don't look at the authority that's above you that's doing wrong and then turn around and do the same thing that you see them do. That makes you a hypocrite. That makes you a hypocrite. If you're 8, 9, 10, 12 years old and you don't like what's happening in your life, you don't like what people's doing before you, you don't like, like what people does, it's against that book, don't grow up and do the same thing today, friend. Choose to do right for the glory and for the honor of God. You, If you're waiting to serve God till everything's just perfect and everything's just right, you're messed up today, friend. We live in a world that is sin-cursed and there is sin in this world. And you're going to have to serve Him in spite of what is around you today. I'll say this though, God will honor it. God will honor it. Because your motivation should be one thing. Pleasing your heavenly Father which sent His Son to die for you because you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And if you've been saved, you were a sinner in need of a Savior. Notice with me, if you will, and he did that which was right. I may not get very far in this this morning, all right? I don't know. I hit a stump. But it said, right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. Now, David, let me say this to you young folk. David wasn't his father before him as far as Ahaz was his daddy. David wasn't. David was in the lineage of kingship, but let me say this. This is the same as us saying our forefathers. David was Hezekiah's forefather. And so I want you to understand that he took notice of how the kingdom was ruled of Israel under the leadership of David. Now David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man, although he didn't make mistakes, David was one man that had one thing right. He knew how to repent. I wish this morning that we had some born-again believers that could remember one more time what it is to repent. David said, only God have I sinned against. He knew that he had hurt man. He knew that he had hurt people. But he was first and foremost concerned about the God of heaven in which he had hurt. Listen, if you wrong somebody, you've got to go get it right with them. But you first better understand that you've hurt God more than you've hurt any man, friend. God's got to be of our utmost importance and our primary number one concern. And I fear the reason we see no more of the hand of God in our churches today is because God is not always our primary, uh, uh, our primary concern. So the Bible says here, He, notice with me, 25 years old, right? He, in the first year of His reign, notice this, in the first month, now what did Ahaz do? Ahaz was responsible for nailing the doors shut on the house of God. He locked her down. He shut it in. Nobody was getting in. Nobody was doing anything in the house of God. So Ahaz is responsible for nailing the doors shut. Along comes Hezekiah. It's his turn to rule and reign. What does he do? He's 25. In his first year in the kingdom, not only in the first year, Bryson, but in the first month of the first year. In other words, he didn't let no time waste. He didn't let no time lag behind before he got busy doing what he knew was right in spite of what he had been shown. And the Bible said here, he in the first year of his reign in the first month opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now he understood, number one, it's going to be hard to do anything in the temple if the doors wasn't open. Amen. You know what we're trying to do here at Landmark Baptist Tabernacle? Keep them doors open. Amen. Keep the doors open. But let me say this. Having the doors open ain't enough. 
having them doors open on Sunday morning and on Sunday night and on Wednesday night is not enough. But it's a start, amen? I don't want us to stop. See, we get started sometimes and then we stop. But we got to keep going. What's the progression here? Notice that Hezekiah, this young man, 25, been given the kingdom. What would you do, Brother Marvin, if somebody said, Marvin, I need you to the White House right now. You're a man on deck. You're the one in charge. Man, I'm going to tell you something. We talk about Biden, right? We talk about Trump and everything we don't like. How would you like to be up there sitting in the Oval Office today trying to make the decision? I know, don't get me wrong. There's some I believe I could make right off the bat. But there is a heavy responsibility, you understand, and it's not always as cut and dry as you think it is. There'd be a lot of on your knees in your closet praying to God to help you with decisions. Amen? So here's what I want you to see. This man's got given a vast burden. Notice what happened over here. The bears of the burdens were decayed over in Nehemiah chapter number 4 because of the trash. This Hezekiah, this king, has got a burden. He's been given this kingdom and he's been given this responsibility. And in his first month of his first year, he gets busy opening the house of God and repairing it. The Bible said, and he brought in the priest and Levites and gathered them together into the street. Now here's what I want to call your attention to here. The king, who in our mindset would be like having a president in our nation. All right? But I want to say this, the king understood that if things were going to get right now at the house of God, which he says is open, and he says the doors are now able to be swung open and shut, and you can come in, and we're going to get this thing back open for business. What he does is he calls all of the leaders together that have a position that has anything to do with the house of God. He doesn't start with the congregation of Israel. He doesn't start with God's chosen people. He starts with leadership. Now I want to say this. Some people could accuse me of being a little over the top with with anyone that holds a position in a church where I pastor. But I believe that if we're going to be doing this right, we've got to have an expectation, friend, of of pleasing God and being faithful and being here and being busy. If you're going to take a position in the church, you're going to have to be serious about what God wants. And when you're not, you don't need that position in the church. Hezekiah said, I need all the Levites and the priests. Bring them to me. we got to have a powwow. What's this powwow all about? The Bible said, hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourselves. And sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. You're going to have a hard time sanctifying the house of the Lord. Cleaning up things that are wrong done at God's house unless you first get yourself uh, sanctified before Almighty God. And the only way you can do that, friend, is to get down on your hands and knees before God. Humble yourself, friend, before Him and tell Him you're sorry and you need His help. And can I say we all need His help. Nobody, nobody is able to make it through this life without the help of the Lord. It's not a matter of if you need to get on this altar. It's a matter of when. I'm worried about people who never approach the throne of grace to tell God they're sorry for anything today, friend. Friend, God still needs you to knock on Him and and, and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about a problem and I'm sorry I failed in this area. Bible said here and said unto them, hear me, you Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house. In other words, clean it up, Brother Shane. 
Clean it up. We got the doors open, but clean it up. And by the way, before you clean it up, Levites and priests, you're going to have to clean yourself up. Because you know what happened, don't you? They were Levites and, Levites and priests, but there wasn't anything going on at the house of God. Oh, Lord have mercy. There's a lot of leaders. There's a lot of people in positions. There's a lot of pastors of churches. But the doors are shut and nothing's going on. The lights are off and nobody's home. Amen? Nothing's happening. I don't care about what the position is. It's not about what your position is. It's about his position in our life. Amen? And he needs to be first. So sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. Bryson, if you're going to come up here and take up the offering, brother, you need to be right with God. Brother Shane, if you're going to teach Sunday school, you need to be right with God. If the piano player's going to play, it needs to be right with God. The preacher's going to preach, it needs to be right with God. If the lady's going to get in the choir, it needs to be right with God. Wow, we're going to have things clean at God's house. We're going to have to make sure we're clean ourselves. Amen? So the Bible says this, said, And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Amen. Clean the house of God. Clean yourself, but you better understand right now, according to the king Hezekiah to the Levites and priests, what's going on down there in God's house is nothing but a punch of filthiness. Now, I asked the question on Sunday night, I believe it was Sunday night, when we were talking about Saul and Paul and how that Saul was persecuting the church, and as he persecuted the church, the church was being scattered and, and people were preaching the gospel everywhere they went. But they were fleeing from persecution. So God used Saul to spread the word. He used Saul to get churches started. But what did he do when Saul was uh, on down on the road to Damascus and he got gloriously saved? What did he do? He saved him. He changed him. He was a new creature in Christ. And the Bible said how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but taught you publicly in your house to house. And we see through the scriptures... All the suffering that Paul went through, yet he never backed up on God. And he got a well done, thy good and faithful servant. Now this is interesting to me because God used Paul when he was Paul. And God used Paul when he was Saul. And he was still accomplishing the same thing, although he was going about it different, right? I want to say this. Let me emphasize one more time. God's going to use this church one way or the other. He may scatter it into the wind to use it how he wants to, or he may hold it together and use it the way or and use it another way that he wants to, but he's gonna use this church. But if you want her to stick together and you want it to be right here, you're gonna have to sanctify yourself so we can sanctify the house of God, so that ultimately, Brother Isaac, at the end of it all, we can say with a surety and with authority that God will fight for us. Amen. But I asked the question on Sunday night. We want to invite people to church. We want them to come down to our church, right? But would Jesus recommend our church to somebody in need of a church? Now, you can think all you want to about that, but I'm telling you right now, here's what I know. When I was asking myself that question, I instantly, Brother Shane, started thinking of things that I could tighten up on, things I need to get right. Listen, we got a lot of positions, and I can't fill them all. Brother Marvin cannot fill them all. Brother Shane cannot fill them all. Miss Pam can't fill them all. Miss Bobby can't fill them all. Miss Barbara, you can't fill them all. We cannot fill them all. We have, th we're spread thin as it is right now. Amen. But I'll say this to you. God can send us what we need. 
But our problem is we're thinking about what we need. We're not thinking about what he wants. God is not sitting in heaven worried to death about making sure we have what we need. He'll provide what we need when we get ourselves sanctified and the house of God, uh, the filthiness out of the house of God. Listen to me. There's people, all ears just a moment. There are people that could be used, that are not used, because they won't do right according to the Bible. We ain't hurting for people. What we're hurting for, we're not hurting for talent. What we're hurting for is holy living today, amen. People that will decide that they're going to go with God against the world. The Bible says here for our fathers. No, let me back up to verse 5. And said to them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Now let me say this. To carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place is going to take some labor. going to take some work. And you're going to get dirty in the process. One thing I've learned about trying to clean up a mess, Brother Shane, is you wind up with part of that mess on you. It just happens. It's part of the job. It's a messy situation leading the church. It's a messy situation sometimes teaching a Sunday school class. Anybody's going to do it. It's a messy situation witnessing that on the job. It's a messy situation going down here in the street and telling somebody about the Lord. It don't always work out the same way. You may get a smile one day and cuss the next. Amen. But I'll say this. It's dirty. It's a dirty job getting things cleaned up. Boy, ain't it nice when it's clean. Hey, you can always tell. And listen, I ain't trying to, I'm trying to be careful here. But when the playroom at the house gets to a certain state, the kids don't want to play in it no more. But you get that thing cleaned up, you can't get them out of there. Even children don't want to play in filthiness. Amen? You don't want to sit down and eat in filthiness. You don't want to live in filthiness. You want to be clean. And so let me say this. The Lord's looking for us to be clean. I didn't say perfect. I said clean. Get your heart right with the Lord. Amen. So the Bible says here, For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. So he's calling attention to the Levites and the priests here that this is what we're going to do today, but what has been done in the past isn't right. We better understand this morning what's been done in the past has caused us to get where we are today. It just is. And if we keep doing the same thing as was done in the past, we're only going to repeat the same things that's happening now in the future. Something's got to change. And it starts with you. It starts with you being willing to change. We can't have the same old, same old all the time. Now, let me drive my little point home here for just a moment. I don't know how far I'm going to get into this. Go with me to Numbers 21. Let me show you something interesting about change. Numbers 21. Now, some people don't have heartburn with change. Some people can't stand it. Some people, if things are different than they have always been, people can't get past it and do anything for the glory and for the honor of God. Look with me in Numbers 21. Let me show you something that happens. The Bible says here, and I'm going to have to read a little context to give you the, 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 the thought here. But if you back up to Numbers 21, verse 5, the Bible says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now what is a serpent a representation of? A serpent is a representation of Satan. 
we find that the Lord caused the serpent to crawl on its belly and eat of the dust forever and ever, right? Over in the Garden of Eden when he beguiled Eve and told her a false truth, if you'll even allow me to use it, that conjunction. But the Bible says here that the serpents, uh, much people of Israel died because of the, the biting of the serpents. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. And that's what the devil done, right? He spoke against the Lord and tried to change Eve's mind by beguiling her about what God said. And, and what God said, you need to understand, uh, wasn't what the devil was portraying. And so he was what? He was, the serpent was cursed. Now here, they are not taking what God says. They are following what they want, and so they are being bitten by the serpent. Eve was bitten by the serpent, poisoned by the devil. Amen? And so the Bible says here, And the Lord said unto Moses, um, No, excuse me, back up to verse 7, Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass. Now, we talk about that golden calf with Isaac. And what was wrong with that golden calf was is, is the children of Israel were worshiping the golden calf, not the Lord. But the Lord's telling him to make an image. And he's going to have to form this image, Brother Shane. But notice what happens here. And, it put, a, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in, in Oboth. Now, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm wanting to call your attention to. There was an image that was formed. This image wasn't to be worshipped, but it was a representation of the power of God against the serpent. Now, listen, this brass serpent is solid, right? It's not moving. Only the Lord can stop the serpent. Amen? And so I want you to understand something today. That Moses has formed this image. And people are looking upon him because of it. They are not dying by the bite of the poison, if you will. And let me say this. He lifted it up. Moses did lift it up, right? And the Bible said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. It's a picture of the Lord's power. But it was never to be worshipped. Now I want you to notice what happens with me. Go over to 2 Kings chapter number 18, which is also a portion of Scripture that is referencing uh, this of King Hezekiah. 2 Kings Chapter number 18. 2 Kings chapter number 18. The Bible says, if I can get my place here, in verse number um, 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty-five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His, mother, his mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. So this is an account similar of the same time period that we're finding in the Second Chronicles, chapter number 29. It's only being chronicled in the book of Kings, okay? There's some things that happen in, in this same story that we find in Second Kings that you do not find in Second Chronicles, chapter number 29. So you take both passages of Scripture, run them in parallel, and you'll get a full scope picture of what is happening in the life of King Hezekiah at this time. Notice what he does, Brother Shane. What is something that he removed? Now, he's been warning in 2 Chronicles 29 to the Levites and priests that they were going to have to clean up the filthiness out of the house of God. But notice what happens in verse 4. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. Listen here now. 
and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. Nehushtan is nothing but a brazen thing. That's all that means. What, what are we finding happens here? There's a lot of people. You, you remember over in Luke chapter number 16 when the rich man asked, Lazarus, or asked Abraham to send Lazarus back to his five brethren lest, uh, uh, that he may testify to them lest they also come into, the, or lest they come into this awful place of torment. Lest also they come into this awful place of torment. And what was it that Abraham responded? They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What's that mean? That means that they were going to have to take the Old Testament scriptures and the word of God and understand what it was. So this was writings of Moses. The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, was written by the hands of Moses. Now, the minor prophets, we understand, have much to tell us in the minor prophets. But let me say this to you. Moses was a big deal. Moses was a big deal. Even, even in the man in hell was hearing from Abraham. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Go back and see what Moses done. Look at what Moses had done. Look at what Moses had written. Look at where Moses had gone. Look at what they had went through. Look at the stories that Moses had written. What did Moses do? Well, one thing Moses done was he made an image. But what did Hezekiah do? He did that was right inside the Lord. He took that image. And he got rid of that thing. He grounded up. Oh, my goodness. But tradition. Tradition, my foot. Tradition is what's killing us today. We do what grandma did or grandpa did or what the preacher before us did or the church that we used to go to did or well we used to do it this way or we used to do it that way. Who cares how you used to do it? Hezekiah didn't give a rip, Taylor Chip, that this that, that this this image was was present. It was wrong. They were treating it wrong. It was never about the image. It was about God. Hey, it's never about this building. It's never about the little sign on the pew where in memory of granny so-and-so who donated so much money to the church back in 62. So we could, Who cares? Who cares? You will never have an in memory of nothing in a church that I'm the pastor of. It's in the memory of the Lord, amen, what Jesus Christ had done. Listen to me. What I'm trying to get you to understand is, is it's not about tradition. It's not about something as it always was. It's about cleaning up the filthiness out of God's house. Anything that's causing you to struggle in your forward motion needs to be honed down. Hezekiah didn't care one bit about tradition. He didn't care one bit about what had been. What he cared about was what does God expect today. And God did not rebuke him for getting rid of something that man had taken that God wanted it to be used for good. Man can take what God wanted to be used for good, put their spin on it, and make it for bad. You can take religion and call, listen to me. People have gone to hell because of religion. But you go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so he didn't get caught up in religious activity. He didn't get caught up in tradition. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. He's all that matters. All that mattered to Hezekiah was his God pleased. And I'm going to tell you something. Ever since the Lord posed this question to my mind on if, 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 I, if you were wanting somebody to come to your church, would I want them to come to your church? What is it in our church that the Lord could put his finger on? 
that could say to an individual's heart, I don't want you to go there. I'd rather you not go there, but I'd rather you go here. I'd rather you not go there, or I'd rather you go here. Or I'd rather you not go there, go 500 miles down the road and move somewhere where you can go. I don't care. I've heard it said my whole life, a church alive is worth the drive, amen. People kill me. Well, we couldn't drive over 25 minutes. If it's right, drive or move, amen. I would move if it, if it meant trying to find a place where I could send my kids to church where, where they could be taught and preached to by the word of God because it's the most important thing in their little lives, amen. The, the, the ball team and the school that's got the best so-and-so, all that's trash, friend. All that's trash. Let me tell you something. People are putting education above holiness today. Let me, let, me let me hit that little stump for just a second. You do understand it was the devil that was trying to teach Eve about knowledge. Oh, we got to teach, teach her about knowledge. She's, she's going to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She got an education, Brother Shane, but it cost her some holiness. We got a lot of kids that's learning things. Well, I got to give them this and I got to give them that. You don't have to train a 12-year-old how to use a smartphone because everybody down at the public school system does the same thing. When they're laying in their bed at night looking at trash on that thing that they ought not be, God is putting it on your account. And if you don't think that they know more than you do, you're crazy anyway. I, did, I said that same thing I believe last Sunday, and I may say it four or five more Sundays. I don't know. But the problem is, is the devil was trying to give Eve an education. She got one, didn't she? But it cost her God. I wonder if you'd be willing to educate your kids and cost them God. God's still the most important thing. I've heard preachers stand in the pulpit and rear back like a, like a crow and say, I'd rather my kids flip hamburgers at McDonald's till they're 90 than to, than, to, than to be taken away from the things of God. And the first opportunity they get, them kids is running around with a smartphone and the World Wide Web, and they got satellite hooked up on their TV. And, they, well, they turned 16, so I let them get a driver's license. If they don't need to be driving, Brother Shane, they don't need to be driving. I don't care if they're 18. If a kid ain't responsible enough to get up in the morning and make their own bed, they don't need to be getting in a car and turning the key on that thing and driving down the highway and killing somebody. Oh, we got to educate them. We got to, you don't understand the times. No, you need to understand the times. We're in the last days of the last days. We're rich and increased with goods and the devil's robbing us in the name of education today. I'm training my daughters, Brother Marvin, and I don't care who likes it. And if anybody wants to bow up on me for it, you can go ahead, but I'm going to say it in public. I'm not training my daughters to have the highest education. I'm educating them. I want them to know something about education. But my primary goal is not to send them off to a college somewhere for four or five or six years where they're on their own doing what God knows what, when really in all honesty their primary objective in my family is this, that they find the kind of man that God wants them to have that will get off his hind end, Brother Shane, and go to work and love them and raise a family in accordance to that book. And if I can do that and they can get married to a man that will do that, I will have done what God wanted me to do. Because whether you believe this or not, I'm responsible as much responsible for my grandkids as my kids are. Now, they'll have to raise them, but I ought to give them the tools they need to succeed. David didn't build the temple, but David did get everything together, Brother Shane, that Solomon needed to put that thing together. And he didn't quit because he couldn't build the temple either. Some of us cry, oh, if I can't do it, then I don't want nobody to. No, that's not it. That's not it. Let's prepare some children for the glory and for the honor of God. What you're doing is saying education. And you're robbing them 
of holy living. Can I say to you, what Eve lost, she didn't get back. She didn't get back. When your children's innocence is gone, it's gone. And the things that's been plugged into the minds of 12 and 13 year olds are there and will be there till the day they die and take their last breath. They'll fight that thing for the rest of their life. You're not helping them. You're hurting them because the society you live in today says, well, we got to do it this way. No, you don't have to do it this way. You'd get a backbone and get concerned about the things of God and decide that you're going to put God first in your life. You can put your kids first. Uh, where they're supposed to go too. There's a lot of people more concerned about the good things of this life than they are about giving their kids what they need. Oh, amen. Ain't we having a good time this morning? The Bible says here also, verse 7, uh, For our fathers, verse 6, have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him. And have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. You know what's happened today? Not only in our nation, but in our churches, people have turned their back on God. Well, and then when you preach the Bible, it's so foreign to people that the hair bristles up on their neck and they bow up like a cat that's been kicked and they're mad because you said something that offended them. You're not offended by my preaching this morning. Let me go ahead and say that. You're offended by the God of heaven and the Bible that he left. And that means that you're not really, problem is not really with this preacher this morning. Your problems are much bigger. I cannot give you the consequences of your actions. But the God of that book can. And when he does, friend, you're going to hate it. You need to understand, Hezekiah understood there were some people. There were some women and children we're fixing to find later on down in this chapter that suffered by the consequences of his forefathers and the actions that his forefathers had made. I can't fix everybody's problems, Brother Marvin. I can't fix every home. But I can say this, I can sure do what I can to make sure mine goes right. And I'm going to do what I can to help you do what's right in yours. And you can hate me for it if you want to, but love, friend, is something that's good for you even when you don't like it. And the Bible says here, also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps. The lights were off at the house of God. Notice with me, if you will. And he had delivered... Uh, them to trouble. Did you see that? Who did? The Lord. <laughs> the Lord did. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah. Let's back up to verse 7. I skipped a part of that. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. They were not doing what God wanted them to do down at the house of God. I could preach on this portion of the scripture for a while. We don't have time this morning. Bear with me for just a moment. The Bible said, Wherefore? This means because of, Brother Marvin, everything we've read up to this point concerning his forefathers. said, wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah. God's wrath was upon Judah because his forefathers had backslid, turned their back on what God expected out of them. And the Bible said here, and he had delivered them to trouble, to astonishment. You're going to be blown away one of these days. You're going to wake up one morning and your life's going to be turned upside down. Something's going to happen and it's going to be like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you're going to scratch your head and wonder how in the world you got where you are. And you're going to look back on five, six, seven years and go, well, I could have made this decision and wouldn't have done that. I could have done this and we wouldn't be here today. And I understand there's all of us to some extent, I'm sure, that could look back on some things and decisions we made that we wished we hadn't have. But I will say this, you do have to get to the point where you realize the decisions you made, you wish you hadn't of. 
If you still don't recognize that some of the stupid things you've done you shouldn't have, you ain't where you need to be yet. And God's going to astonish you one of these days. <coughs> Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem. He hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, to hissing. And you see with your eyes, as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword. And our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Families. Families in captivity. Families ruined. Listen here. We look at this stuff in the black and white of the Bible. We don't really put ourselves in it. Can you imagine David over at Ziklag when they come back over there and their homes were burnt with fire? Women and children carried off? Brother Shane, Brother Shane, how can you imagine, Brother Marvin, what it'd be like to come home and know that you ain't been living for the Lord? And because you wasn't, one day when you crowned the hill over there, your place was burnt with fire and it was a big black pile of ashes and your wife was gone and you didn't know where she was or what was happening to her. This is no different. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. This Now it is mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. He's telling what was, Brother Shane. He's explaining to the leaders what's at stake. Hey, wake up, Levites. Wake up, priests. This is what's happening today because of our forefathers. But then he says, now it is in mine heart. He's talked to them about what was. But he's talking to them right now about what we're going to do right now. And he says, now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us, my sons. Be not a lack of. There's nobody with a burden. There's nobody with a desire. There's nobody seeing it like it really is. And see, here all I'm doing this morning is trying to help you see it like it really is. I can't fix it for you. I'm just trying to give you a clear vision of the problem. And, and we're so carnal today, we don't understand it like it is. The Bible says here, my sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister unto him and burn incense. He's saying God's chosen you. Brother Marvin, does it ever, does it ever occur to you that you're chosen? Brother Shane, what art man that thou art mindful of him? Sister Barbara, you're chosen. You've been saved by the grace of God. The Holy Spirit knocked on your heart's door, showed you that you were in need of a Savior. You've been chosen. I'm saved because He chose me. And He's wanting us to serve Him. And the Bible says here, My son's been on that for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before Him, to serve Him, that you should minister unto Him and burn incense. The Bible says in verse 15, And they gathered their brethren, I would to God that the message, Brother Marvin, would sink in the hearers of leaders and they'd go gather their brethren. You know what I'm trying to do, Brother, Brother Shane? I first had to realize that I needed to make sure that I, as a leader, got sanctified. And then I need to gather the brethren and the sisters in Christ together and share with them the message that they too need to be sanctified and clean. Notice what happens here. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves. You know what? Sanctification is not something I can do for you. It's something you've got to do yourself. 
they sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord. He uses authority as a king to do what God wanted to do. Why is it that we can't use our authority, Brother Shane, as mamas to do what God wants us to do? Why do we not use our authority as daddies? It's within my authority to make my daughters do right. But I do what I do because my Bible tells me to. I have the authority to go contrary to this Bible. But I'm scared of the consequences, Brother Marvin. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves and came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. Now, let me pause for a moment. They went to... All right, we're getting the summary here in verse 16. In verse 17, though, we're going to break it down a little bit. The Bible said, Now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify, and on the eighth day of the month came they to the porch of the Lord. It took them eight days. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and in the sixteenth day of the first month they made an end. Brother Shane, it took them 16 days. Eight days in the temple, eight days on the porch, or in the inner court, rather, or in the courts. Notice here, and in the 16th day of the first month, they made an end. Here's my message this morning. It don't happen in one day. It don't happen in one message. But you better first start with the acknowledgement that things aren't right at home. And you better own the fact that things aren't right down at the house of God. Now listen, I understand we're not sitting in here with 150 people. But I ain't stupid. And I wasn't born yesterday. And I know for a fact that who's here and the members of this church are such that have been saved by the grace of God that God has an expectation. And best I can tell, I'm not preaching to any visitors this morning that, that's not a part of our church. We don't got five or six families in here, Brother Marvin, this morning that need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can be saved. We're talking to, to Landmark Baptist Tabernacle this morning. And here's what I want you to understand. You're crazy if you think this preacher's going to let sin slide and you drag things into God's house that don't need to be here and live in open rebellion. I'm going to deal with it. And you say, well, I'll leave. You'll have to do it. It'll be me or it'll be you. And I'm telling you, I think I'm big enough to hang on pretty tight. I'm going to try my best to do what I can to stay here for the glory and for the honor of God. But I am 100% certain that God's not going to do nothing here unless at least from this pulpit, what comes out of this pulpit is for God's book and it's against sin. And I'm not going to allow open rebellion in God's house. Now let me say this. Some family comes in here and they've never been in church and they don't know Jesus Christ and they don't. you better not expect them, Brother Shane, for their outside uh, to, 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 to be right with God. they got to have the inside right so the outside changes. It was an experience with Jesus Christ that caused Paul to no longer be Saul. It changed what he, how he walked and how he talked and what he'd done and his motivations. So I'm not expecting everybody just to, to, to be like the Bible says they ought to be. But I'll say this to you. For those of us that sit in the sound preaching, that knows what's right, that's just meaner than a snake and, and rebellion, rebellious against God, don't think I'm going to skirt the issue or walk around the mulberry bush to try to keep you here and to keep you happy. I, it's not my job to keep people here. It's not Aaron Caldwell's job to keep people coming to Landmark Baptist Tabernacle. It's my job to preach that book. Jeremiah preached that book when he didn't have a convert. If I preach here 50 years, Brother Marvin, 
spend my life ministering in this place, and we never get no more than what we've got, as long as God's happy, this preacher's going to be happy. Now, I ain't always had that mindset. It ain't been out of open rebellion, but I have been discouraged, Brother Shane, because this ain't happening or that ain't happening, and ultimately, I've had it all wrong. It's, it's, is God happy? Is God happy every day with Aaron Caldwell? Now, that encompasses my duties as a pastor, too. But you ought to ask the Lord the same thing. Now, here's what happens. <coughs> I am persuaded that if we got the filthiness out of our lives, the filthiness would be out of the house of God. You would be amazed because let me show you what happens here. And for the sake of time, let me just, let me just give you the punchline here. Go with me quickly. Um, let's look at verse 24 just a minute. And the priests killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood. Killed what? The sacrifices, okay? They brought, they brought lambs, they brought bullocks, and they killed them. The Bible said, the priests killed them, and they made reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. Now, let me say this. Hezekiah wasn't just dealing with all Israel when he started out. He was dealing with the leaders. But he was dealing with the leaders for the sake of Israel and for the Lord's glory and for the honor and for his honor. Now I want to say this, we have to be clean so that we can please the Lord, but so that we can be effectual in a world that's dirty. That's the goal. That's the goal. Notice what happens here. The, 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 greater, the greater cause here is the Lord's happiness and his glory, and for that of greater Israel. Notice here, and he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David and of Gad, the, uh, of the king's the king's seer and Nathan the prophet for so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets and the Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priest with the trumpets the Bible said and Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar and when the burnt offering began the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets and with the instruments ordained by David king of Israel and all the congregation worshipped and the singers sang and the trumpeters <coughs> sounded and all this continued until the burnt offering was finished can I say this the singers didn't sing and the worship didn't happen until they got the house of the Lord cleaned out. There will not be worship. There will not be singing like you want singing to be. And I'm not talking about uh, in the, the particular. I'm talking about where the Lord moves and sweeps through the place. Unless people are right with God. At least those who are singing be right with God. Notice with me if you will. The Bible says here in verse 31. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now ye have consecrated yourselves unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. And the congregation brought in sacrifices and thank offerings, and as many as were a free heart burnt offerings. And the number of the burnt offerings which the congregation brought was threescore and ten bullocks and a hundred rams and two hundred lambs, and all these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. And the consecrated things were six hundred oxen and three thousand sheep. Are you seeing how many sacrifices have been brought to the house of the Lord? This same place, mind you, that's been locked up and the nails had been shoved in the doors just a little while before. Closed up. It has nailed her shut. Hezekiah comes in and he says, all right, boys, let me get the leaders together. Let's clean our lives up. Let's clean the house of the Lord up and let's get back to serving God. Notice what happens here. Look what all happens. But the priests were too few. So that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Well, we got more preachers, but we got congregation anymore. That's right. In this situation, we had more congregation interested in sacrificing and serving the Lord than there was priests. And the Bible said, but the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended. They had to 
They had to get some help because there wasn't enough help to get the job done. I, I'm telling you, listen, we got problems, but there's one problem I wouldn't mind having, and that's having more going on than we had enough help to get done. How you do it, preacher? We got to get clean. We got to say we're where God wants us to be. The Bible said here, and until the other priests had listened to this, back up. Let's get the whole verse. You got to get this. But the priests were too few so that they could not flay all the burnt offerings. Wherefore, their brethren, the Levites, did help them till the work was ended until the other priest. Oh, my. There were priests, then there were other priests. Do you notice that? And until the other priests had sanctified themselves. So there's some priests, some other priests that ain't gotten to the place in their sanctification where they can do what's expected out of them. Notice what happens here. The Bible said here, for the Levites were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priest. There were some other priests that had got enjoying religion so much and just doing business as usual that when it come time to get on the altar or when it come time to sanctify themselves, when it come time to get the sin out of their life, they were lagging behind. Oh, how bad we are in 2022 where we can preach it, but we can't live it. You can't preach and be effective above your level of living. Hey, let me say something. You can't mama and daddy and be effective above your level of living. You might as well not try to teach your kids to do right when you'll do wrong. Don't send your kids to church and then lay out. Don't send your kids to Sunday school and then sit at the house. If you're going to send them, come on. Otherwise, you're telling them that coming's not that important. Amen. The Bible said here in verse number 35, And also the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Hey, hallelujah to God. Things were set in order down at God's house. We went from the doors being nailed shut and the lights off to things right, things in order. God is pleased. People are doing right. Let me say this. The Bible did say, for the Levites in verse 34 were more upright in heart to sanctify themselves than the priests, but the priests were getting sanctified. There is a crowd. It seems like they want to lag behind. But you know what you do? You keep pouring the coal to them. You know what my job is as a preacher? I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to tell it to you straight as often as you'll give me an ear to. So notice this. Verse 36. Things are set in order at the house of the Lord. Verse 36 said, Hezekiah rejoiced. Well, there's rejoicing. Rejoicing. You say, boy, I wish we could get in a spirit down there at the Lord's house. I wish we could have them services like we used to, you know. When you get right with God, friend, that'll be more bubbling up in your soul than you know what to do with. When you come in here, friend, on a Sunday morning and there's folks here that's ready to hear the Word of God that's never heard the Word of God before because our church is in such a state that the Lord is willing to send people here, you'll have rejoicing. It'll bubble up out of you. And Hezekiah rejoiced in all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. Now let me tell you what happens. All that took place in this chapter didn't happen suddenly. It took 16 days to get the filth in us out. What happened suddenly was when everybody got right. When everybody got in order, revival struck. And when it did, friend, people were rejoicing 
And God was happy. And there was more people, listen, willing to do something at the house of God. Why were there that many sacrifices? Because there was hope. There was hope that the doors are now open. Who opened them doors? Why are there priests and Levites in there cleaning that thing out? I remember when, when the house of God was somewhere where we could go and we could worship and where we could, we could have sacrifices made. You know what people started doing with the shame? They went and got their lambs and they went and got their bullets and they said, oh, let's drag them down here and let's sacrifice them for the glory and for the honor of God. There was invigoration, invigoration because there was hope. You know why there was hope? Because there was somebody who had a burden. There was somebody that was willing to take their authority that they were given and use it for God. Take your authority and use it for God. And I'm telling you, when you get right with God, God will help you. Things are right at the house of God. Let's break it down this morning. How's things at your house? How's things at your house? You're going to have to set some things in order. You're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to clean the filthiness out. Oh, man, there's a lot of room to go down to the house and get the filthiness out. Listen, if I couldn't help but watch trash on TV, I'd throw it in the yard. So, oh, you want them TV preachers? I sure am, and I ain't sorry for it. Throw it in the trash. If you can't help but watch trash, throw it in the trash. You can't help but look at stuff on the computer you ought not look at. Throw it in the trash. Well, well then I won't have any connectivity nobody. You need something to connect to, get connected right here. If you text message all day, every day, and can't never stop it, and, and get in this text. Throw the phone away. There was a day where there was no TV, there was no phone. Well, that ain't the world we live in today. The world we live in today is killing us. Amen. People, education over holiness. Holiness will cause revival. Getting things straight at the house of God will get revival. Getting things straight at home. Down at your house. Let's break it down one more time. The Bible tells me that my body is the temple of the Lord. Before it can start at your house, it has to start in you. You know what you need to do? It may not happen on day number one. But you need to at least acknowledge it this morning. Say, preacher, you don't understand what I'm up against. I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. I understand what you're up against. I also know that you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. And I do know that if you've got God on your side, who can fight against you? Who? Who? Education over holiness. It's killing us today, friend. Got carnal. We're carnal in our living. We're carnal in our churches. We're carnal in raising our children. We need to do something. While we got a chance. I wonder this morning, do you need it? Let's all stand to our feet. I'm done this morning. I'm not going to finish this. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, please. No, every head.